everyone. Welcome to episode number 53 of the Fitness Devil podcast. Today we brought on Mike Howard, uh, the man behind Lean Minded. And he's here. This is an episode that really dives deeply into a lot of mindset stuff. Bit of a buzzword, but we actually get into the good quality stuff. Uh, importance of things like self-forgiveness, uh, better self-talk, not getting caught up in negative self-talk. Some of the cognitive biases that can become problems for us and how to tackle that. Uh, pitfalls with rigid dietary approaches and why they usually fail. And again, some mindset stuff for better overall health and a really healthy discussion of books because Mike's a big fan of books and reading. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy. Shut up and sit down. All right, I'm going to assume, Dean, that we're ready to go. Uh, guys, yes. welcome. <laughs> um, so I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Mike Howard um, and watching him present at the Inland Empire Fitness Conference in Spokane uh, this past April. Uh, our friend Tim Arndt had uh, put on this event. It was really great. So we wanted to welcome Mike as a guest. I've been talking to him for a while to get him on here, and circumstance just so happened to align our schedules and uh, move him up. So, Mike, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and uh, your work at Lean Minded. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This is, this is quite, a, quite an honor. Um, looking through your guest list, it's, a, it's almost intimidating, intimidatingly <laughs> so. Um, but uh, no, this is great. Uh, yeah, so I've been in the industry for the better part of 20 years now, so I'm kind of a dinosaur. It's, I've, I've worn different hats along the way, um, so started off training, managed a gym, um, got into teaching aspect of things, the writing aspect of things. Um, yeah, so my, and then more recently, uh, took on a, a passion of, of training, um, younger people, uh, particularly younger people that have either special needs or, uh, issues with weight management, that sort of thing. And uh, then sort of, uh, like so many other trainers sort of, uh, morphing into the online space and, um, you know, writing, creating, writing books. And uh, yeah, just doing some online coaching in addition to my one-to-one. Just, just uh, doing things like write, just writing books and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> well, I say that it's been one of those uh, works in progress for way longer than it should have been. Right now, I'm. <laughs> well, I think a lot of but us yeah, who've been in the industry, a lot of us who've been in the industry a little while. I mean, I'm I'm at about the eight-year mark myself. And you know, most of my work has been very much in-person clientele. But yeah, you start to wander into these other realms that seem to be the way people go. I do a little bit of online training. Of course, obviously, now we have this podcast. It's actually creeping up. I don't know if we actually took note of the year anniversary, but we're within a week or two, I think, of it. Dean, yeah, because it doesn't go off it, the episodes because we had a few doubles, actually, but I think we're actually maybe on the one-year mark. Maybe you hit the one-year. We're just going to say you did, and it's probably not this week. <laughs> You're a yeah. special one-year guest. We're yeah. such men, we don't remember anniversaries very well, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> and it's funny because the way, even if we talk about content and time in the industry, like, the way this happened is we didn't even really plan it to happen, it just did. And so it's just like anything else, like, your book took way too long. I don't even know why we didn't start a podcast earlier, it's just awesome, but it's just shit just yeah. happens and unfolds the way it unfolds, and then you're kind of in it, and you're like, whoa, what happened to time? <laughs> <laughs> and that's fantastic because I mean I I see the work that goes into people that do podcasts and that's a, you know kudos to you guys I you know I'd, I'd love to do a podcast but in my defense I'm lazy and don't want to but <laughs> it's the writing part so talk about writing a book it's a lot of it's a lot of work that's, yeah it's the writing part it's also something we're seeing now uh, more and more people are doing it and while. I think there are a bunch of barriers to entry with this one. Obviously, there's the tech side of stuff and, and all the production side of stuff. And Dean know Dean does all of the technical stuff. I don't have a clue about it. Andrew's forty. Um, never used a computer. <laughs> it's pretty ugly. But we've had we've done okay with this one. Our, our downloads are actually pretty amazing. You know, we're well over a hundred thousand all time downloads. But we're also seeing a lot of people getting in just because they think that the podcast is the thing to do. We did it because. You know, we thought it would be a great opportunity. It's been it's been an opportunity to get a lot of really great guests into one place and share who those people are, like you, and sharing you with the people who are core listeners. Mm. And then, of course, as we go through and every guest, you know, their following picks up on this stuff, then they get linked up to other people mm -hmm. as well. So it's about sharing good information and sharing good people. Yeah. 
And, and obviously, he's got a really great network. And even getting to that comparison, is that kind of like we talk about the the evolution into books and and writing online and kind of was what was your reasoning, I guess, for getting into it? Because we knew ours for the podcast was networking and just something to create content <laughs> that we wanted to do. It was easy and we could do. Is that kind of your thought yeah. process getting into your evolution of we'll call it content evolution? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, and I started writing probably about 15 years ago. And, I, you know, to be honest, I think that's kind of the introvert in me. Um, the, the thought of even speaking on a podcast is, you know, still to this day terrifies me. We're getting up on stage. Andrew met me at the uh, Inland Empire Fitness Conference. And, you know, that I think that was a big overcoming of fears of sorts. So I think the introverted nature in me just gravitated to writing because I could just, you know, do it stay in my little hovel and just, you know, and, and create and create that way. It became a bit of an intellectual outlet, I guess, for me. And I, I love the research aspect of it. And for me, it was about trying to reach a wider audience too. Um, you can only do so much in your sort of one-on-one uh, context. And um, yeah, I, I just felt that, you know, the industry needed some, some, honest information, um, something that's a, a little bit more uh, research-based. And I say that knowing that what I wrote 12, 10, 12 years ago, maybe even three or four years ago, was probably utter crap, and I, I wish <laughs> the internet didn't exist. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, it was just a, a means to get the message out there. And I think, and you uh, touched on it with doing the podcast, right? It, you're, you're reaching a greater audience, getting you know, hopefully good information out there. And I was very fortunate that, um, you know, 11 years ago I got, uh, paid to write. I was writing for a site called diet blog and then it just kind of leapfrogged from there. I had, uh, amazing opportunities. Uh, Tom Venuto was somebody that took me under their wing a little bit and let me do some writing for his amazing site. He's somebody I've always, uh, admired. And then, uh, yeah, just different various writing gigs for like the personal training development center, uh, my own blog. And, and then it just evolved into writing an ebook and then, and now, you know, hopefully by early next year, a full fledged actual paperback book, a book with papers that will still be online on Kindle or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. kind of that's kind of cool. crazy. Just the way you think about that, because especially like, when did you start writing? Like writing, writing. Like how long ago was that? Uh, writing, writing. Yeah, Tom Venuto's site is probably gosh, like seven or eight years ago. Uh, the diet blog site was more like eleven years ago. It's now defunct, but um, yeah, no, I, I I was writing regularly for Tom, and then trying to keep up with my own blog, and then um, yeah, no, the, I mean it's gotten a little spotty now. You know, you 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 set out to to do like two or three blog entries a week. And then it ends up being two oh. to three a, a year. <laughs> and and that, like, but that's how it's that, that's the evolution of, I guess, content in general. Like we're talking about the podcast and then doing online yeah. stuff. And we talked about this with Dean Somerset was that whole idea of he started out through blogs and that was like 2005. So if I'm looking like mm-hmm. eight years ago, like anyways, blogs were more relevant back then like writing not to say writing isn't more relevant but i don't go to the t nations and the bodybuilding.coms as much as i do like almost social media content and videos nowadays and it's not to say writing's dead because it's definitely not but like that was a good platform to get you where you wanted to go where i wouldn't say that that's the first place to start nowadays I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, then yeah, there's been a huge uh, evolution of things like with social media. So I do try to keep up with my my business page. So I try to contribute something to that, uh, you know, daily or if not every other day, just to kind of keep that uh, that rhythm going, that beat going. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, to a far lesser extent, everything's in more sort of packaged infographic type of you oh. know easily digestible information now, and I think that works best for the uh the noisy noisy space of 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 the internet um yeah. and and people you know you're competing for people's attention and you know they nobody's got time to, to read like a a 700 word blog well, post and that word that, blog post. that goes to another question have you found your audience has changed because we'll just say back in the day maybe it was like fitness consumers and now maybe it's more trainers who are looking for that higher end information like have you found that your mm-hmm. audience has evolved with that Does that make sense? Because now that it's easier, more people are getting into it, but it's not your same crowd. Yeah, no, it's definitely, and it'd be hard to pinpoint how, but I think just as you move to different platforms and you sort of, you you slowly gather like a little bit of a following. And and, um, so I had people that, you know, 
follow my page that were way back in sort of the diet blog days <laughs> or, um, you know, when I first started writing, like I, I put out newsletters, like e-newsletters seem like the most archaic thing in the world <laughs> right now. It's like, it's like I was writing it on like Slate or something like that and, <laughs> and, and sending it to people by messenger pigeon. But um, yeah, it's just, but I used to have a, like, a, yeah, I just, and I, and I, I outsource all that stuff. Like I don't want to create newsletters by myself and just, yeah, but yeah, so I still have people follow me from those days, but yeah, no, for sure. And you get, as you network with different fitness professionals, I have a lot of fitness professionals following me, which is which is really an honor because I learn a lot from from you guys and people that you know are following me. And we follow each other, which is great. Um, it's awesome in, in in so many ways, and you know you have that uh, network to keep you accountable too. You're not just this. Uh, you're not just standing from a pulpit and sort of delivering information. It's almost, it's, it's more of a conversation now and, uh, no, it's cool. It's evolved in a lot of really kind of cool ways and, and, uh, I'm just kind of trying to embrace it and roll with it. And, you know, I'm very sort of tech averse. So, you know, I just kind of, I don't know, I, you know, at the end of the day, you just try to put out decent content and hope somebody reads it and then, you know, whatever you, you, you try to just see what happens captivate that audience and yeah well, let's actually go into some of the content and the concepts that you are more known for talking about and when we we had a, we sort of put this together on short notice but you and i talked about some of the things that we could bring to the audience here and obviously mindset being a big part of it so mm -hmm. of course mindset gets to be a bit of a buzzword in the industry as well yeah. uh, kind of this ubiquitous term that encapsulates a lot of stuff that's very legit and a lot of bullshit mm -hmm. but, uh, so there's a lot of aspects to mindset. Would you explain the importance of self-forgiveness in caring for yourself? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're, you're, you're right about that. I mean, um, I delved into, just to give you a quick backstory, the uh, arena of uh, behavioral economics and social cognitive psychology, like probably about six or seven years ago, just realizing that, you know, we really need to get into the head of our audience and our clientele uh, when it comes to a lot of these things because, you know, you, you spend the time studying nutrition and, you know, my background's in kinesiology. So um, I, there was really a need for me to further my education in that space, right? And just, I think... Um, and one of the aspects of mindset that you sort of read about, and there's, there's different aspects of mindset, we've kind of relegated uh, inspiration and mindset to, again, these kind of fitspirational images and, and, and things like that. It's, I think it's the industry has done the general public a disservice when it comes to a lot of that sort of thing. Um, what we think is motivating the masses is really just kind of a circle jerk of the 1% that's already fit and it appeals to them. So I'm trying to shine a different light on it. So circling back to the whole aspect of self-forgiveness, I think it all starts from there uh, being, you know, caring for yourself and, and not in a fluffy, you know, I'm amazing way, more in just like, yeah, you know what the reality of you're going to screw this up. And that's just, you know, your your path, your journey is going to be one of imperfections. It's going to be one of obstacles, uh, curveballs, all that sort of thing. And you, yeah, you're going to you're going to mess this up and you're not even going to mess it up once. You're going to mess it up several times along your path. And and, and that's what it is. It's a journey. So I, I think self-forgiveness is one of the very first aspects of it. It's just saying, look, you can be dissatisfied and you should be dissatisfied with your situation. But, you know, I think we're t far too quick to attack ourselves in that and, and, and just really get down on ourselves. And, um, you know, I, it, that does get a bit of backlash because I get people, well, if you're, you know, if you're constantly, oh my gosh, forgiving yourself, then you're not, you're not holding yourself accountable and you're just going to keep making the same mistake. So the, the, uh, there's two sides of the same coin there. So, I mean, with this self-forgiveness, you also have to have this honest self-reflection, right? So being honest with your current situation and say, yeah, no, things aren't good. Um, I'm going to forgive myself, but, you know, things need to be better. And, and yeah, no, you have to be honest about your situation too. So there's that continuum, that sort of self-forgiveness honest self-reflection continuum that we have to be aware of on the that's just it the last part was just being aware of i guess that process because i think that even circles back to that whole uh, motivational quotes is they don't make people aware they just tell people how it is and then there's no backstory mm -hmm. to it 
and that whole mm-hmm. awareness piece is yeah like this is this is what self-forgiveness is but mm-hmm. there's i'm aware of why i'm doing it and what the next process is and that's usually yeah. the step that's missed with all of it is like here's the five steps to this and there's no backstory mm-hmm. people just follow it blindly and i really like that idea of self-forgiveness with the awareness because yeah, mm-hmm. and you're describing both sides of the coin, then you can choose if you want to do the good side or the bad side, but you can keep self-forgiving and not making, I guess, a follow-through yeah. action to it, or you could actually do something about it. Yeah, like no, that. absolutely, and there's, yeah, there's a stage to that, right? It's like, okay, if you, when you do screw up, I mean, that's the thing, you, and I think, I don't know if you guys agree, I think the, one of the biggest keys, one of the most important uh, cruxes of long-term success is being able to manage those dips. Like when yeah. you, when you do fall off, is like getting back on right away, you know, cause it's easy to, to do this thing well when, you know, your motivation's high, you don't have as many obstacles in the way, you know, we we're loving this in January 1st. Like we're, we're, Hell we're yeah. all in. Right. But are you going to be this way April 15th? And that's what we have <laughs> to look at is just, um, if you can manage those dips and those the, the, when the crap hits the fan in life, that's where the long-term success is going to come through, right? So I think there's a process behind that too where we're like, okay, yeah, you screwed up. Okay, f- number one, forgive yourself. Number two, get right back on it, like now. Like, you know, d- don't, don't keep wallowing in it. Don't, you know, and that's the thing. We kind of let things slide and it's that what the hell effect where, you know, we screw up once and, and that's it. Oh, well, the week is blown. And everybody, fitness professionals, non-fitness professionals know that, you know, one week easily turns into a few months, which turns into a year. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, you, you've really kind of sabotaged yourself and put you back, put yourself back in that hole again. The thing that you directly alluded to that I think is really important is preparing people for the inevitability of those mistakes. Mm-hmm. When they understand that they're going to happen it makes it a great deal easier to go, okay, this is what Mike talked about. All right, I can handle this. Give them the the skills and the tools to be able to, as you said, get back really quickly. And I mean, we, we, what you said, we've always, we've all seen this. Friday afternoon, evening drinks, some bad food. Okay, cool. Well, then all of a sudden, you're not feeling so hot Saturday. Don't bother at the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll get back to it on Monday, that reset mentality. Mm-hmm. So when I hear the word reset, I've got a, a handful of old clients who, when, when they use that term reset, I jump all the fuck over it in a polite <laughs> way. Yeah. I try to sort of beat that thinking out of them. And mm-hmm. if he doesn't actually beat them. He might look like <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, we have a lot of people that very much function in an off versus on mode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that off mode is the default mode. So of course they mm-hmm. get going, they're going for a while, mm-hmm. but then something interrupts it and then they revert back to default mode. People mm-hmm. who are successful long term, their default mode is very much on. They're mm-hmm. really an off mode. They're able to step out of that temporarily, but then of course they revert revert automatically back to the good balanced regular exercise routine. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I try to do with my clientele in particular, and I think this is really important to encourage people to do, is to try to condition themselves to that default mm-hmm. on mode. I, I, I like dispensing with uh, with words like on and off. Yeah. As soon as people allow that kind of thinking into their process, mm-hmm. then they allow themselves well, to get into that well, off mode. And what's yeah. been your process for that? Like, cause you've dealt with it mm-hmm. for a while. Like what's your kind of go-to process to kind of get that mode? I don't know what default, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Not on and off. I don't know. Whatever mode that is. Yeah. The, the, the on mode. Yeah. It, absolutely. 100% agree. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And I, yeah. Um, and that, that third process to that, okay. Self-forgive, uh, get back on it right away. The third part of that is is we circle back again to that reflection, self-reflection. Okay, what precipitated that? Yeah. What precipitated that that screw up, whatever it was on Friday night? So we have to attack that type of thing at, at the at a very root level and and establish habits. And when we establish habits for our clients, doing it like you know one or two habits, one or two basic habits, and and nail those habits one hundred percent. Um, and I think when those habits become the default, the re- the rewiring takes place in the yeah. brain, and then that our, our default then eventually becomes the on. And you know, a lot of things we do just autonomously, and then when those habits are locked into place, 
then when stuff hits the fan, then when life gets stressful, we have those default habits so we can stay on that on, as it were, right? So I think, yeah, no, Andrew brings up a huge, like a, a great point there where it's like, okay, yeah, no, you got, yeah, stop, 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 you know, stop with that on and off. And we do look at things way too dichotomously. And a lot of it is about reducing variability, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, no, if your weekend rhythm is, is, you know, the drinks on Friday night and then not feeling like working out Saturday, just relaxing Sunday, you know, we gotta, we have to disrupt that somehow. And, and then we just strategize on a very individualized approach, depending on the and that's it's, it's funny because I'm diving back down on, I think, cognitive behavioral therapy. But that's pretty much the mm. basis of that is the awareness of the situation. Okay, you fucked up. Why would you fuck up? Can you, like, explain mm. blah, blah, blah. And it's just that awareness piece of, like, understanding what it is and then, like, making that plastic. So having a plan for that. But that's, like, basically the basic of psychology in terms of behavioral mm-hmm. therapy and it applies to nutrition and i think that that's why guys like you and andrew and i like kind of go to that psychology side is because mm-hmm. pretty much habit and change is rooted deep 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 in the brain <laughs> yeah yo absolutely that's that's exactly it and so yeah we as coaches we have to expect that our clients are going to screw up but we have to also counsel them in that's in that way where we're like okay you know what why did this happen? What are we going to do next time? And then, the, you know, the the gaps between those slip-ups increase, right? So, you know, it's not a, a light switch process, um, you know, just like if we don't want to be on or off a, a plan, um, our, our behavior change isn't going to be, you know, uh, immediate and, and you know, well, and this like go- a light switch. And this goes to the other part of it, and I guess you called it awareness, and we'll, we'll just kind of generalize and call it self-talk and how can people be better at self-talk, but also... Mm-hmm. How do you kind of coach people not getting caught up in the negative self-talk and those patterns? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, unfortunately, we were sort of almost wired that way and society wires us that way to like our self-talk typically isn't good. And that's where this whole self-forgiveness thing comes in. But there are better ways to, uh, you know, talk to ourselves because it 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 basically shapes everything we do. It 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 forms our narrative on how we look at the world and how we interact with the world. Um, So there's different things. And and a lot of this comes down to reframing, right? So I think one of the biggest things is using phrases, and this can make a huge difference, even though it's a small thought change, but um, I choose to, or I choose not to rather than I can't, right? Say I won't, you know, don't say I can't, say I won't. And when we use that more directive language, we're taking agency, we're, we're taking control, we're saying to ourselves that, yeah, we're calling the shots here, and we're not a victim of our circumstances. So yeah, using words like I choose to, um, I choose not to, you know, that smells really good, not in the plan right now. Um, I like that. You know, that, that, forms <laughs> some, that forms some autonomy, right? And that's 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 a, a key point. Another one is, and these ones are a little more quirky, but there's actually good research behind them. But um, and you may not want to do this out loud too much, but that's why it's called self talk. We talk to ourselves, <laughs> but in our head. Um, but using you know second and third person actually has been you Ooh. know shown scientifically to to have some impact. So instead of you know using words like you know, okay, Mike has to do a better job of this, right? I mean, it's usually associated with really egotistical sports icons when they when we <laughs> refer to ourselves in third person. But, um, you know, it, it actually helps because it creates distance from the situation. And that's that distance is kind of the, the, the entire premise of what mindfulness is, right? Yeah. So we can create a little distance from our problem and say, yeah, look outside of it and say, Mike needs to do a better job of this. Mike can do this. Um, and another self-talk strategy from that is one called interrogative self-talk right so they call it the bob the builder method so you know instead of saying i can do this because those tend to be the platitudes like you got this man you can do this you get you know keep going um yeah yeah mike's got this (laughs) exactly so you can combine the two but instead of you know being directive ask the question say can i do this right can you do this and again that 
that initiates a thought process of the how you're going to do it. It's not just a surface level thing. You start to think about, okay, can I do it? Yeah. Okay, then we start to think about how we're going to do this. We're digging beneath the surface of, of, of the level of consciousness, and we're really trying to, we're making those changes from an inside-out perspective. So those are just a couple of self-talk well, things that I advise people. How much do you get into with your clients, I guess, the process in which you're using? So like the why behind it, because... Because people will use, like, you'll just say use a different phrase and, like, pretty much you're getting them to do the mindfulness stuff without telling them. How much do you get into it with some of them, like, in terms of letting mm. them be in tune of why you're doing this? Yeah, I, it'll depend on the, the person because you will find clients that they, they want to know the the rationale behind things. Most of my people, though, I just keep it very surface level. And you can tell in their language, yeah. um, whether they're uh, messaging you or you're talking to them in person. You just as a, as a coach, you just look for certain things like, you know, I'll have clients that say, yeah, I'll, I'll try this. And I'm like saying, no, no, that's that's putting your toe in the water you got to jump right in there like no you're gonna you're gonna do this you know or, or language like that like well we'll see how this goes you're gonna fail and i'm gonna tell you that because you, you know you're when you're seeing how this goes or you're gonna give it a shot you know that's that's is somewhat interested but you you know we have to take them from that level of interest to commitment in in a lot of ways so, yeah, no, it depends. And some people need a little bit more coaxing than others. But I don't delve too deeply into the, that sort of thing. I mean, it's not, you know, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not a registered psychologist. I, you know, I read a lot about this. I can guide people, give them suggestions to this end. Um, and if they're, they're really struggling with issues. Wow. And, and that's a good lesson for coaches, I think. You know, no yeah. one to refer out to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, things that are out of the, your scope, but um, yeah, no, I mean, very. I tend to keep it surface level, but I do want them to. Uh, I think just enough so that this becomes top of mind for them. Yeah, right. This is in their consciousness level. The they have that in my annoying voice in their head going, "No, don't use those words." Right, and <laughs> better refer to yourself. Like, don't speak without saying your name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All I think about is Rain Man now. Like, fuck. <laughs> and then I'm gonna hear your voice like don't say that out loud okay well Dean don't yeah, say yeah. those things out loud Dean <laughs> damn it yeah something, exactly something I think um, negative self-talk kind of is I think it's one of two things actually one is I think people genuinely mean to be humble I think that they come in from a humble place yeah. but it it in, inadvertently becomes something that is mean to yourself and beat you down the second place that I think it is, we're scared of what people will say. And the world is mm -hmm. kind of a, can be a nasty place. I think we make it out to be a meaner place than it really is. Mm -hmm. But the world will find ways to beat you up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think people say to themselves the negative things that they anticipate others might say. And if mm. you say it to yourself, you take the sting off of it, or at least you mm. think you will. When you anticipate that others could do it, you get to it first. Mm. The problem with both of these things is ultimately you are still regularly, daily, relentlessly beating yourself down, mm -hmm. being really, really hard on yourself, and that adds up in your well, soul. And you end mm. up doing much worse to yourself emotionally than the world ever could with anything yeah. that someone could plausibly say to you. Mm -hmm. And I hope people start recognizing these things. And yeah, if I hear someone saying something that's, that's really over negative self-talk, you know, I politely, but assertively point it out. And in, in the kindest way I possibly can try mm -hmm. to get them to be aware of it and mm -hmm. to try to get them to, to stop doing that. To well, and, but similar mm -hmm. to like how, we break it up by doing self-talk, like better self-talk or whatever, positive <laughs> self-talk. And that becomes a habit as much as, honestly, the negative self-talk can become a habit. You get more efficient at talking to yourself like shit the more you do it. Mm -hmm. It's like anything else. So it's on that mm -hmm. other end of the spectrum is that's why positive self-talk usually breaks that habit. But knowing that mm -hmm. every bad thing you do, the more you do it, the more you're going to, I guess, default to that. And I guess it's just, and that's yeah. just, that's the awareness piece too is that, it's not, you can have negative self-talk every, like every once in a while shit happens, but it's that whole idea of you keep coming back to it. That's a problem. 
Absolutely. No, very, very good points, guys. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to is, we're, you know, we through that constant reinforcement, we are wiring ourselves to be a certain way and to default to a certain uh, thought pattern uh, and then which leads to habit patterns. So it's it's a process. I mean, it's this isn't an overnight thing and, and it takes a lot to sort of unscrew yourself in that sense um, and, you know, take away those and, and gradually replace them with with more uh, reframing, right? And, you know, there, there's definite uh, downsides to too much positivity too, which is, you know, another topic. But um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously there's, yeah, yeah, you want to be thinking better thoughts about and yourself even, and more self-forgiving thoughts about well, And even on like a personal level, so like I wouldn't say it's negative self-talk, but almost like a fearful self-talk is I've been injured mm. countless times, football, surgeries, powerlifting, blah, 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 to the point where like I would go to squatting with anxiety and I almost had to reverse mm. that because I didn't know I was doing it till I'm like, holy shit, like I'm so tense. Mm. And then it just, that pattern just becomes ingrained and until you're kind of awoken mm-hmm. to that process, you can't make the other side of the process, which is yeah. the positive self-talk. Cause you can do positive self-talk, but if you're still reverting back and you don't yeah. know you're doing the negative stuff, then, then you're lost anyways. Mm-hmm. You have to say a lot Absolutely. of nice things about yourself. Which yeah. would be, <laughs> that, for but, sure. But I guess that's, that goes back to the general information of like, I think the big thing now is like five things of gratitude every morning, but they're basically just building up those reps without knowing yeah. why. And it's, I don't yeah, know if they're aware absolutely. of it. But. Yeah, and those have a lot of merit, for sure. Um, Andrew, hit, hit him with the next one. Hit him with the next one, man. Let's go a little further with this. And we discussed cognitive bias. It's one of the things that we want to mm. go into. Uh, you know, and the cognitive biases, you, you hear that word. I don't think a lot of people even know what that really means. Mm-hmm. But man. If you could explain that a bit. And then what, how they take us off track and how people can avoid some of those traps. So what are some of the big ones that cause issues for people? Right. I mean, I, I and I'll touch on one sort of big one, and I think that branches off into more uh, sort of subheadings. But um, I mean, it, in nerd terms, they call it the current moment bias or hyperbolic discounting. But basically, that's <laughs> just our desire to have things right away, our instant gratification mentality, um, and that that is biological and evolutionary but it's also fueled by popular media and the diet book world and culture in that you can get instant results and you know that's why we've whittled things down to 30-day plans and you know the last time I I, I try not to go through the the diet section of bookstores but I do on occasion and I <laughs> I, I always have to you know throw up in my mouth afterwards, but there's no less than than four or five books at any given time that are promising a pound a day weight loss, like for the first like, you know, month or whatever. So, you know, we've been thrust into this uh, um, false, um, you know, mentality that weight loss should be easy, it should be fast, right? So, I think this whole thing of the instant gratification is one of the bigger cognitive biases and that knowing that, you know, these things take time, um, you know, it is going to be a process is, is one of the biggest first steps. So, um, and then branching off from that, we have this concept of time and this misconception where, you know, the I'll start tomorrow mentality. We always think we have more time than we do. Uh, and and I, that's one of the concepts. And maybe it's because I'm on the other side of 40 now that I just kind of, you know, you become a little bit more aware of your own age and mortality. But, you know, you start it starts to dawn on you that, you know what? Yeah, if you always think there's tomorrow, we always think that father time is going to be, you know, very you know, generous and forgiving with what, how much time we have, but, um, and that becomes a trap where we can, we always think we can default this to the next day or the next week. So, uh, that's part of that current moment bias is like, we, we think we have all the time in the world. And the second part to that, uh, misconception of time is what they call the planning fallacy. So things always take longer than we think they do. And that circles again, back to, you know, these instant results, instant gratification. And, and, you know, when clients come to me, they're disappointed when they, when they, when they lose only like, you know, three pounds in the first two weeks. And I'm telling you, you know what, that you're on a great trajectory there. Like, you know, they don't realize, but they're actually disappointed by that. And I think that is a lot of the conditioning from our, our society and our, our media and our, you know, magazines and, you know, what, and what's, social media. What's your way of fighting that? Cause I guess we can say that, um, common knowledge now is that 
it does default to that hedonistic thing of we can get instant gratification it should happen i've seen it every Mm -hmm. fucking where on these books what's your main i guess hammer for that with your clients in terms of battling that yeah no and i think we have to look outside the body composition and scale uh and metrics in general like the uh, when we when it comes to that and i think we sell people on how they feel their energy levels things their 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 you know their mindset and their uh you know just just different subjective measurements because those results you can yeah. see almost immediately um because they're going to get discouraged when they don't see a certain number or they don't so i think we have to to really sell them on the the non um the non-metric things mm-hmm. that that are important, right? So yeah, just improved energy, and you know, just notice how you feel. Look at how much stronger you've gotten. You know, even the the, the neuromuscular benefits of just you know they'll they'll get strength gains fairly quickly if they're a new lifter. So we just have to emphasize a lot of of that, um, and then just really, you know, we have to. There is a lot of re-education that has to happen in terms of what is realistic, and. You know, if they've come to you after 15, 20 years of of poor habits and poor lifestyle and they, you know, they're 50 pounds overweight, you know, why are they planning, you know, how are they expecting yeah. to undo 20 years worth of damage in 20 days, right? Well, and that goes back to, I guess, our, what we wanted to move on to next, which is goal setting. And I guess we'll call it reasonable goal setting and mm-hmm. how it's argued over all time. So how, how do you get people to feel more well how do you get what's your most effective way for setting people up for success and achieving goals that are Mm -hmm. we'll call them realistic in nature yeah 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 exactly so i mean and the goal setting part is huge and that's you know typically something a coach will do in the early going um and I, i i usually advocate for three different steps or that's what i do myself so i think the first one is you know sounds a little out there but finding your why and, and going deep with that, so not just like, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, well, why do you want to lose 10? But why is this important to you on the deepest level, right? So if they have children, okay, you know, maybe growing up to see their grandchildren play. If they don't have children, okay, taking the best care of my loved ones and being around long enough and you know, do, doing the things that I love to do. Like I love hiking and I, you know, I, I'd love to be able to continue to hike into my 70s, 80s. So something that's going to resonate them on a deep level and we have to maybe probe a little bit to get past that just aesthetic. And there's nothing wrong with having aesthetic goals, nothing wrong with wanting to look better naked, absolutely. But we have to find that deeper meaning behind it so that there's more of an intrinsic a motivational factor when it comes to that. Um, the second part to that is l- looking at process goals. So what I call the goals behind the goals. So there's the outcome goal would be that 10 pound weight loss, but let's, let's take that in reverse a little bit. Let's reverse engineer that and say, okay, what's it going to take to get to that? We're going to focus on the habits that are going to get you there. So maybe it's meal prep in the morning. Oh, it's all while well, I'm rushed in the morning. Okay. Well, let's wake up a half hour earlier. Okay, well then that maybe that means we have to go to bed a half an hour earlier. So we're we're working backwards a little bit to allow them to have those goal those habits in place that are going to beget the outcome goals, right? So whether it's meal prep or whether it's doing some extra, you know, walking throughout the day, just just things that are, are process oriented goals. So not you know so much having a, a you know bench pressing. 250 pounds, but getting to the gym three days a week um, or, you know, not so much being able to do like that. Uh, just worry about showing up, show up, showing up is 90% of it. So showing up to whatever it is, your workout or gym, showing up for yourself to, to shop, chop and prep, you know, a bit of food every day. Those little habits will make big dents in your overall progress. Um, and then the third part of the goal setting process I find important is the looking at your goals through a lens of sacrifice. I think we tend to look at goals as these checkmarked um, wish lists. They become wish lists. Okay, I want to lose weight. I want to get fitter. I want to, you know, I want to get stronger. Those are great, but we we tend to only see a clear path ahead of us when we're excited about something, right? And again, this is sort of the January 1st versus like February 17th mentality. Um, so we have to prepare our clients, and we alluded to that earlier, about the the real reality of the obstacles and what are you willing to give up for this what are you willing to sacrifice what are you willing to what pain are you willing to go through because it isn't going to be you know what i mean it's yeah. it is going to take work it's going to take a giant kick to the the 
comfort zone. And and we have to prepare our, our clients for that by looking at it through a more uh, realistic and sacrificial lens. I thought you were going to say groin for a second. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was like, do I use the word balls? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what our demographic is, but I'm. Yeah, we'll, no, we'll say it's 50-50. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> speaking to, because, you know, yeah, everybody. And you'll like, be able to swear on here. Don't worry, let loose. Okay. Yeah. Junk would be more <laughs> neutral, I think. I don't know. I don't know. What's the neutral term for that? Yeah, kicking the crotch is good. Crotch, you know, yeah. Kick, yeah, kick, yeah. Okay, you were going there, right? Like, you were saying that. Because, yeah, like, there's like, a pause, and you're like... like general area, <laughs> and then it's just like, okay, yeah. Exactly. I was like, I know what he wants to say. I'm like, that was a good workaround, though, for not trying to switch. Yeah, I know. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Andrew. What about the... Well, I guess... I'll just go with the next one. So again, this goes to the goal setting and, and kind of going outside and being realistic, but that also talks about the people think that they need to be rigid with their dietary approach. So why is this problematic and setting people up to fail, basically? Mm, yeah, no, for sure. And again, we'll, we'll circle back to how dysfunctional our our weight loss industry is because that tends to be what's in the mind of the conscious mind of everybody is, is like the 30 day plans, the cleanses, the detoxes. And, um, you know, the industry, I think one of the biggest failures of it is that we are trying to oversimplify things and we're trying to say, okay, this causes you to be fat and this is the solution. So, we get into this this rhythm of just banning foods, banning categories of foods. These foods are good. These foods are bad. We have this dichotomous approach to things. And yeah, no, it does. It sets people up for long-term failure, mostly because I, I, the way I put it once, I wish, I don't know if I remember how to say this verbatim, but yeah, we're trying to pound the square pegs of dietary rigidity into the round holes of just individual circumstances, right? So um when we're going, when we're playing by somebody else's rules and these rules are rigid, the, the, the result is, is eventually failure. I mean, mind you, some people are in that standard category and they can, yeah, they're in those square holes. They're in that, um, they're in that category of which people call sort of the, uh, abstainers where they can do it. They're highly motivated. And yeah, no, it does work to some degree. And I have to, I have to be clear. You do need some restraint. There has to be a restraining component to it, but flexible restraint tends to work better long-term than rigid restraint is what I'm trying to get at. Rigid restraint does have a higher risk of developing disordered eating patterns, uh, relapse, uh, re-weight gain. Um, whereas flexible restraint does have more of that staying power. And again, I mean, it depends on the individual. If you're, if, if somebody's morbidly obese, there's nothing wrong with them losing several pounds a week for, for several weeks because, you know, their body, you know, needs that. And, 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 and studies actually do show that initial, uh, bigger weight, weight losses can actually still translate into, to better overall progress, especially if somebody's got more weight to lose. But, um, ultimately you do want to, to take a more flexible, uh, restraint approach, right? Again, the kick to the uh, comfort zone. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think our, our clients and people have to have some choices within that. Otherwise, you know, they're just going to be miserable. And it, it just, you know, we have to we have to find that fine line as coaches between getting them results and not, um, you know, not having them be too grumpy and miserable in the process. It's, it conjures up, and of course, everybody always talks about keto. Every second post on Facebook is keto. Mm -hmm. um, but ketogenic diets, uh, intermittent fasting, these are ideologies that are fairly rigid in the way that they're constructed. Mm -hmm. And they've been around long enough now, and I want anyone who's listening to really think about this. And do you know anyone who's actually really stayed on that approach for a sustained period of time? And I know I one. Really can't, I, I really can't think of anybody off the top of my own head. Mm. And I think we know that these approaches can work if it is the right approach for most people. Most mm -hmm. of the people seeking them out are people who are a little desperate, a little vulnerable, who are looking for that quick fix like you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier. They're not suited for these approaches, and the rigidity is something that's completely unsustainable for them, which is mm -hmm. going to lead them to relapse yo-yoing. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now in these popularized approaches 
are classical fad diets or classical yo-yo dieting rebranded mm-hmm. into a sexy and marketed new form. Mm-hmm. So I Absolutely. think people need to be very, very careful with this. Veganism yeah. can take on that aspect, mm-hmm. but veganism is unique in that there's such deep moral implications with it yes. that we see a lot of people who are very successful with utilizing veganism as sure. a, a long-term committed approach. Mm-hmm. If it's moral, ethical, mm-hmm. then I think that that works very, very well. well Otherwise, when you dabble in it as a fad diet, I, I know mm-hmm. people who have come on and off it as well. The problem with, I agree. I was going to say the problem with all of that is, is you're right, like they're fad diets and much like the books and 30 day challenges is they fucking work. But they work short term, and it, it's almost like it, mm-hmm. it pulls the wool over their eyes. Like I have a bunch of friends that are just like they'll always revert back to keto when they want to lose ten pounds, but then they always get yeah. it back, and it's just like, like yeah. it's it's almost tough to tell them it doesn't work because it worked for thirty days, and then they got a they got a dopamine rush from it. They're like, yeah, that's the fucking answer, yeah. and it's, we're we're fighting that because like they can lose you can lose five pounds of water in like three oh, days. Yeah. It's like well, you yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. and I guess that's no, the education sure. piece, and like do you. I guess coming from your experience, have you had to deal with that a lot and kind of, again, what was your main hammer for kind of nipping that in the butt? Because I'm sure you have people Mm -hmm. come to you with like, I want this, I know it's going to work. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you guys are absolutely right. You've you've said pretty much everything I'd have to say about it. I can only add to it by saying, no, I have not seen too many people that have been on ketogenic diets long term that are still on it and i think you're absolutely right it's taken up a lot it's gotten a lot of traction because it does produce a lot of fast results and when you have a lot of people with these testimonials of like oh my gosh i'll this then it then it gets even more yeah. uh traction and people don't realize and that's what i tell people i'm like okay well we have to redefine the word worked right because you'll just say people yeah. say oh keto just works and that's it Okay, well, we'll define works. I mean, so you've been on it for two years. Well, no, no, I've been on it for seven weeks. You know, <laughs> so but show me, you know, works to me, uh, and and that's how we have to redefine success. Like We're that. defining success as as short term uh, benefits, and and that's why I, I I lock heads with a lot of keto people, and I, I put a, a YouTube video about my misgivings about Whole Thirty, and uh, most of the comments were not very supportive, and and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> skin when you put yourself out there but they're like oh you have no idea what you're talking about this isn't a diet this is a reset i'm like <laughs> and you know i've lost like 20 pounds i'm like yeah well you've you're you're eating you know just three things and <laughs> living off air it's just that you know that's you're gonna lose weight doing that oh i felt great but the other problem to that is we're comparing everything to the the standard american diet yeah. Anything is going to look better. And, you know, <laughs> like any change that you make is going to be better than what you were eating before if you were eating the way most North Americans eat. So, you know, we, 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 we are thrust into this, you know, false reality that, yeah, no, this is a magic diet. Look at all the weight I've lost. So whether that's keto or some variation of keto intermittent fasting. And, you know, I've been in the industry long enough to see all the different permutations of low carb. And they all say the same thing, right? Like in 2002, it was like, well, Atkins has been around for thousands of years. We've been evolved to eat this way. Yeah. 2011. Oh, keto has been around for thousands of years. We've been evolved to eat this way. And then it's, <laughs> and then it's just, keto's like, I, and I get it. And, and I, and you, you, I know you wanted to say it, but it's like seven weeks and the studies show long term if proteins accounted for, they're all the fucking same. And then well, that, the whole, exactly. so like that's the main message is it all fucking works, but mm-hmm. defining long term success is where the other tools come into play. And another thing with the whole 32, because I think like, yeah, it's a reset. It, it was designed as a reset for people with like SIBO, <laughs> like people yeah. with legitimate GI issues. And like they even yeah. come off of that because like, they have to take care of their shit and then they put things back in their diet. They don't do it forever. Yeah. Like, fuck. No, exactly. And, and that's one of the criticisms I get. But then, you know, we can go on yeah, about, that's you neat. know, some of the, 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 the head scratchers of it because there's some foods that are definitely more allergenic than others. It's I think it's disguised as a, as a low carb carbophobic type of plan to be honest i mean even though they it is yeah there's recent but there's different ways to do elimination diets that aren't that you know uh rigid and and that strict i mean you can do it in stages and and you know under the guidance of somebody that knows because it's because it was attached to paleo so like and nothing against like like whatever but like it's because that tribe got attached like an elimination diet like that's the diet that like they went crazy 
Yeah, I'm not even surprised. The yeah, <laughs> and it's the mentality that it breeds. I'm not. I'm not afraid so much that it's dangerous or like, but it does tend to to lead to dysfunctional thinking about food. And yeah. you know, we're because people that have done the whole thirty are convinced that legumes and beans are like evil foods because of like phytic acid and whatever other reason that they've conjured up. And so they they develop this unfounded fear of certain foods and they're like oh my gosh i was allergic to that i had no idea right <laughs> so yeah well maybe you weren't but i don't know <laughs> yeah fuck fuck that is what you want to say <laughs> yeah. let's let's bring it back yeah. to positive Let, let's bring yeah. it back to both like mindset and I, I know that's kind of what we kind of wrapped up this whole nutrition and mindset and goals it's kind of all comes back to mindset but let's just yeah. give our users something users um audience something some strategies for better over health so like let's just say you're like one or two go-to things to just kind of tie all this in together yeah no for sure so you know uh, aside from what we alluded to earlier which was the self-forgiveness self um self-reflection continuum right really working that really working the self-talk angle um one of the things i like to advise people on too is just um and it, it goes along with mindset, but I think our mindset and our environment co-mingle and coexist and they have to be synchronous. So setting up your environment for success and, and that is going to eliminate a lot of the need for it because we talk about motivation and willpower and this and that. That sort of thing is overrated, to be honest. And, and when we set up an environment, both in our home, our office, our wherever it is we work, our travel and our social environment – that takes away a lot of the the, the necessary uh, willpower that we need. So I think I'm a huge proponent of setting our environment up for success, getting those triggers in place, making your bad habits 20 seconds or so harder yeah. to do, making good habits 20 seconds easier. So whether that's putting you know fruit and vegetables in your fridge at eye level, um, you know just having healthy food present. For me, like if I have ice cream, I just throw the way I just throw away the lid because I'm not going to need it. So I just don't have it in my house. Um, so for a lot of people, that's what works for them. Hide the stuff way back there. Put your running shoes at the door. Have emergency snack kits in your car in your glove compartment. You know, have many cans of tuna, that sort of thing. Oh. Social environment, right? And that comes down to like who are you hanging out with? Maybe spend less time with the friends that are going out boozing every Friday night. Spend more time with friends that are going for a hike. Um, learn to say no, learn to say no, thank you. Um, and then branching from that, my other tip would be, and I think this one is huge. They're called implementation intentions, which is just kind of a douchey way of saying <laughs> a plan. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's a science nerdy way of saying just, yeah, just have a plan, wake up every morning and say, okay, here's my day. Here are my opportunities to eat well and move. And you map that out and then you be even more vigilant if you have events or parties or social engagements where you know there's going to be exposure to a lot of hyperpalatable food and alcohol. You make you be even more diligent with that and say, okay, you have that if-then scenario. You create that if-then scenario. If I'm offered the cookies, I will say no thanks. And it's not to say you don't indulge in any of it, but you choose beforehand what you indulge in and how much of it you're aware so maybe yeah maybe you usually have like four beers do you just decide that i'm gonna have one beer i'm gonna nurse it i'm gonna focus on the social aspect of the social engagement and not on the the free food and the alcohol and where you just say okay i'm gonna gravitate more towards the the protein vegetable options i'm gonna try one dessert uh, there's gonna be seven desserts there i don't have to have all seven desserts i'm gonna choose the one that looks the best and i'm gonna eat that dessert and just one of them so that's where these implementation intentions come in and just it, it, it creates that top of mind awareness for what you're doing. And I think if you're constantly looking for opportunities to to progress, you're going you're going to set yourself up for for longer term success. So those are my go to ones, I would say. I really for, like the environment one because like even mm, that's good because environment's what got us here. Like everything's so fucking mm -hmm. easy to have. And I guess like I like exactly. that 20 second longer because like. I know yeah. for a fact if it's 20 seconds, they're going to be like, screw that. That's because your brain always wants the easy way. And if you make it 20 seconds harder, you well, know damn sure. well you ain't doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love that. So one. something that Mike and I actually talk about a fair bit when we're interacting on uh, social media is our interest in books. We both are pretty ravenous devourers of information and, and good books. So we always ask every guest. Mike asked to, to talk about books, actually. 
Yeah. And we're like, don't worry, man. We we got this. Could have done a whole episode on books with Mike. Um, What are a few of your highlights, your favorite books, the things that you think are the most meaningful to you personally and perhaps other people that people should really take a look at reading? Yeah. And most of the categories of books I've read and, you know, I think getting an audible account was kind of a date game changer for me about three or four years ago. So when I consume books, I consume them in the audio format. And I found I just, I was just able to get through way more books and thank you, Andrew, because you've recommended a lot of ones that I've read. Um, So again, a lot of the books that I've read have to do with the, you know, the human brain mindset, that sort of thing, but also entrepreneurial Um, and then just other special interests. I mean, one of the ones uh, in terms of trauma that I read, uh, I guess about a year and a half ago that really spoke to me was the body keeps the score. And I think that would, that one's really, really good for anybody that's, you know, if you've experienced trauma yourself or, you know, somebody that has, that was kind of a a bit of a a game changing book for me. Um, You know, in the, in the mindset realm too. I mean, I, I love, um, I love Kelly McGonigal's work. Um, She did the willpower instinct. Um, Yeah, that one was really good. Uh, Rewire. um, uh, There's one, Timothy Wilson. It's called... Oh gosh. Okay. It'll, it'll come to me, but there, you know, a lot of the, the baby hero economics books are great. Like, um, thinking fast, thinking slow, yeah. uh, yep. you know, uh, Kahneman and Fersky have some amazing books out there. Um, in terms of the entrepreneurial world, uh, essentialism that you recommended, Andrew, that was really amazing. good. Everyone the, needs to read that book. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Yeah, and I think there's a theme that's tying into a lot of these books I've read recently. So there's that one, the one thing, culture code. Yeah. One of the uh, principles. I mean, one of the one of the unifying themes of these books too is 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 something we touched on too earlier. Is like, you know, just focusing, just focusing on on the things that matter, and just trying to escape the noise. And a lot of these entrepreneurial business books have a lot of application to the fitness industry and and habits and. You know, when you when you start reading these books, you start seeing these underlying themes of like, yeah, no, it's just creating habits that are going to make you better in whatever realm it is. And when I delved into a lot of the mindset stuff, it was the full length mirror for me too. going, oh, my gosh, like I'm doing a lot of weird, you know, like, yeah, I'm doing a lot of shit here that's wasting time. And, you know, I need to. So this was an education for me, even though I set out to be educating other people. This was really you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself. And when you learn a lot about yourself, you can, you can relay your own, um, your own experiences to, to other people. So, yeah. So one of those unifying themes is just like trying to cut out the noise and really focusing on, 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 on doing one thing and, um, barking up the wrong trees. Another great book I read recently by, uh, Eric Barker. So that one was, that one was a good one too in terms of just, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just, just the way we think as humans and how we can, how we can do better, how we can leverage our own, our own minds towards, uh, towards great. And basically great. it's kind of cool. Cause like, we have this theme always, but I think that if you can take these books that have nothing to do with fitness really, and then mm-hmm. apply them to your situation, they become universal. And, it, and it's, it's again, picking out those universal themes and then seeing how you can sure. take it and disseminate and add it. And I think that a lot of people miss that point is they'll read all these things and the big like, I read this book, but they're not getting the point. <laughs> and the point's mm. pretty universal through all of them. Like, yeah. they're pretty common stuff. Mm-hmm. And oh, then, absolutely. And how yeah. to add and it. They, yeah. And, they, and that's the thing. They apply to every realm of life. And, you know, when I talk <laughs> about mindset, I mean, this is habits. This is, this is universal. This isn't just about your fitness or your health. And, you know, you can take a bigger picture approach. And this is life. This is what it's about, you know, changing our narratives, changing our own story, rewiring our brains. Um, that, that's going to help you in every aspect of your life. Andrew, that's amazing. You, you, you're talking Andrew's language. He's like, yeah, check, 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 check. Kate, we're friends. We're friends. <laughs> that's a good book. I'll, I'll probably shoot you a message in the future because I'll be looking to load up on a few books. I've been... Chewing through a couple, um, unfortunately, I got into a couple of books recently, and I actually had to stop one of them halfway through. It was uh, a book called Own the Day, Own Your Life, and it was so packed full of pseudoscientific mm. bullshit. And it's oh, yeah. super <laughs> popular, except for the like, pop uh, masses, and it's so full of shit. It, it's it's yeah. so it's how did, much questionable science that it's... Yeah, I was going to no, say, platitude-laden platitude books, like, that's the thing, I just, I... 
Yeah, like the whole. Yeah, I get you. We've I, talked about it too, and the books that have swearing in them. <laughs> Andrew loves those. Well, well, the, the, I, <laughs> and I like to make fun of this stuff. And I'm a little harder in my rhetoric than I. I, I think there may be some value in some of these books. You should know but better, I man. Think of, I tend to think of if a book has swearing in its title, it's really very entry level, and it's mm-hmm. meant to to appeal to. I think the positive can be that it can get people reading books that otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. If that makes sense, I, yeah, but I also and I think, agree with you. I think it's like the motivational quotes. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, now I think some some of those books I haven't read. I, I did read the uh, what's Mark Manson's uh, what the fuck is that stupid book called? Uh, subtle uh, art of not giving a fuck. Subtle art yeah. of not giving a fuck. Uh, it's it's the most hypocritical stack of nonsense I've ever. <laughs> read. Andrew really hates that book. It's yeah. fucking stupid, useless book. The guy's full of shit. Well, I, I so, usually, like, what, what filter do you yeah. use for finding books? Because usually what I try to do is find the dude in the industry who kind of did it all and then wants to write books. And then I usually kind of go off those guys as opposed to just going to, well, if you look at surface level authors, you're going to find surface level shit. It's kind of how I yeah, delved yeah. into it. No, well, I that mean, book blew yeah. up, got popular. You know, I read it because I was curious and then it's like, oh man, this is crap. I'm on to another one right now. Uh, it's called Sleep Smarter. And it started out with a ton of promise. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he gets into his nutritional recommendations and he's a low, low carber. So, mm-hmm. and he, yeah. he's, he's citing a lot of one-off studies all over the place. He mentions Joseph Mercola as a oh, no. source yeah. on one particular point. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Mercola, oh. Mercola is a famous charlatan. Uh, and that almost invalidates this guy oh, completely. For sure. yeah. And then the nutrition stuff is complete bullshit. Yeah. So all of a sudden it really threw into question a lot of the other yeah. recommendations and some of it seemed really valid. So I was really disappointed because I've yeah. been saving this book for a while. I think there's some mm. good stuff there. Yeah. But Shit me! All of a sudden, if he's citing yeah. bad science, oh, I know that's the thing. It, it does. It, it does. Question yeah, cast question everything. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, I found that with um, and she's very popular, Gretchen Rubin. And um, uh, what was the book? She was a couple. It's a couple years old now, but uh, she did the Happiness Project. But is her follow up book? Uh, oh my gosh! And it has to do with habits. I'm drawing a blank right now, but um. Better than before, maybe. Uh, yeah, anyway. But yeah, no, I was reading them. Like, yeah, a lot of this makes sense. And then she's, you know, she's citing Gary Taubes. Oh. Like, and I'm like, ah. Oh. Like and she is, you know, I think she has a bias towards abstaining too. Um, so I think she was just very kind of slanted towards the abstaining type of, and it just kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of made the, the whole book a little bit shady, unfortunately. I mean, it's, you know, you sort of take the good information and, and cast away the, and that's the thing about learning about critical thinking, but at the same time, it, it kind of tainted it for me and, and, you know, I could not include it in my recommended books because yeah. of that, because, you know, the general public will read that too. And most yeah. of the people are looking for these answers are general public, but I'm with you. I, you know, the whole, they call it the sham industry, right? The self-help and actualization movement. Yeah. And there's a great book out there, right? Did you ever hear that one? That how uh, he talks about it, sham, the self-actualization movement, how, yeah. how self-help made America helpless. <laughs> yeah. No, I have just, it. Yeah, that says, you know, stupid motivational yeah, so, quotes. I fucking hate. Yeah, them. well, that's just it. So you get a lot of books that are built on platitudes and all these, you know, just it, yeah. And I get it. I try to, I try to get, you know, read something with a little bit more depth and a little bit more relevance. But yeah, no, for sure. But those are the books that sell, yeah. right? You know, if if reading those books gets someone to places like uh, thinking fast and slow, and I've said this before, Dean and I, yeah. I, it was some sort of thread where he recommended the book, and and my thoughts on thinking fast and slow are this. If you're an entry-level reader, that book is going to be way over the mm. fuck your head. It's so long. It's so deep. <laughs> yeah. um, I've read it twice. It's so great, though. It's so good. Start there, please, for the love of God. No. Start with yeah. stuff like Essentialism. Start with stuff like Seth Godin's yeah. Linchpin. Uh, yeah, talk, absolutely. Go read, go read some Tony Robbins if you want to yeah. learn like that pep talk. No, but Seth Godin's great. Seth Godin strikes that, that great balance between, yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's inspirational, but it's not platitude-filled. It's yeah. not like, you know, it's not... It's not trite. It's so he's just, yeah. He I've read a ton of Seth Godin stuff, and that's really good. And you know, if you're looking for entry level in terms of critical thinking, I I found David McRaney's stuff is very entertaining. Uh, you are not so smart. Uh, you're now less dumb. So he has a good kind of entry level, easy to understand, easy to digest look on on critical thinking, and it's great. It's it's a good kind of full length mirror look too, because you can look at it and say, okay, yeah. And, and come out of it knowing, you, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And that's the biggest problem. Okay. Now ending this book affair, 
Um, before I ask you where your social media is, I just want to give my own review. I ran out of Greek yogurt for my shake, and I, there was avocado in it, and it, it, same texture, not as good, but it worked. Just, just for everyone to know. Um, see that guy? You guys, just shut the fuck up. Where do we find Mike? Where where does the audience consume all stuff you uh, and let them know where to find you? Okay. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Um, so <laughs> leanminded.com is my website. Uh, my Instagram is at leanminded. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Just type in leanminded. And uh, yeah, Twitter lean underscore minded. Whoever took lean minded. Yeah, I they hate screwed you. You, <laughs> you jackass. <laughs> Um, and it's some somebody with an egg as their profile, you know, and like four <laughs> followers. I'm like, really? Anyway, I'm not bitter. Um, but yeah, no. So, you know, you can find some content there and, uh, yeah, launching a few exciting, um, coaching programs, online coaching programs in a couple of weeks. So yeah, no, hit me up and I love questions. I love the interaction. I love learning. So, you know what, just, uh, yeah, absolutely. This, this whole thing is a conversation and, you know, there's, there's a there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to learn about ourselves and uh yeah no i think there's uh, you guys do a great job here and it's you're part of the solution which is awesome well and i want to apologize i made i made a 40 above 40 joke about andrew and you didn't look <laughs> above 40 and that, and then you're like i'm 40 i'm, I'm like <laughs> i don't believe that you, you both look under 40 if that if that is my my apology so that's it's a good thing no no that's okay that's, that's <laughs> It's perfectly okay. Foot and mouth after you're like, oh, I'm 40. You're like, fuck. Whoops. Yeah. That's our Mike, thanks for, thanks for coming on on such short dose. Again, we, um, we really needed a scramble to make sure we had an episode. And you know, you've been on, you and I have talked about this, and, and we've wanted to get you on for a while. And you were a champ and, and coming in like this. Uh, this was fantastic, guys. I really hope that you actually do go and follow Mike Coward's work on his social media and his website. Um, I think this episode had a lot of stuff that we haven't really dived into too much before. And I think it's a sort of like, again, mindset, big buzzword, but it's the sort of stuff that a lot of people really benefit from. And, and the message that you put out, it's a lot of good there. And anyone who's interested in reading books, just follow you for that even alone, because you're going to put out lots of stuff there. Um, as for anyone who may be discovering us for the first time, you're a friend or a follower of Mike's, um, <coughs> put together well god this we're in the low 50s on episodes right now we recently had one with john goodman of the personal trainer development center we had dean somerset on again uh, he's always makes an appearance in some way or shape or form we always I hit him up earlier episodes. you hit him up earlier <laughs> and uh, we also we're gonna have a episode hopefully in the very very near future with uh brad dieter and james krieger who i know oh, yeah. together quite well as one yeah, big nerd presented at the same fitness conference. So we're gonna get those guys back and we have individual episodes with each of those guys. So if you're interested in a lot of stuff we talked about here, I think the, your audience might really enjoy those two episodes. So go back and check those and out. And Nick Sorrell's was very similar. Nick yeah. Sorrell was great yeah. too, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Thanks again That's for coming awesome. on, man. Thank we, you we guys. This has been amazing. This is fun. And rate yeah, us five thanks stars. Again, guys. This is awesome. Yeah. Peace out, guys. Good, we yeah. got it. We got it. Shut up and sit down.